0: Bishop Cosset is a general authority and the 15th presiding bishop in the Church's history, a position he has held since October 2015. As you may know, general authorities in the Church are the First Presidency, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, General Authority Seventies, and the presiding bishopric. The First Presidency calls the presiding bishop and chooses two men to serve as his counselors. All three members of the presiding bishopric hold the title of bishop. Bishop Cosset and his counselors have tremendous responsibility in the Church. They work under the direction of the First Presidency. They manage such matters as humanitarian aid, welfare programs, tithing and fast offerings, and physical facilities, among others. They also travel frequently to minister to Church members all around the world, including Rexburg, Idaho. Prior to his call as presiding bishop, Bishop Cosset was called to serve as a general authority at the age of 44. He was serving as a counselor in the Europe-area Presidency when he was called to be a counselor in the presiding bishopric to Elder Gary Stevenson. He served as a counselor for three and a half years, then became the presiding bishop when Elder Stevenson was called as a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Bishop Cosset was born in Bordeaux, France. He married Valerie and Babin in August 1986. We are thrilled to have Sister Kose here with us today. Bishop and Sister Kose are the parents of five children. Bishop Kose received a master's degree in business. He spent his professional career in the food industry, where he worked with several supermarket chains and food distribution companies. At the time of his call as a general authority, he was the general manager of Pomona, a food distribution company in France. Sister Meredith and I first met the Cossets in 2018 when we lived in Singapore, and they were there on a church assignment. They are kind and warm and gracious. We are blessed to have them here today at BYU-Idaho.
1: Thank you, choir. It was uh, beautiful. For uh, a second I thought I was attending General Conference, seeing this beautiful conference center filled today. Thank you for being here. Dear President Sister Meredith, dear brothers and sisters, Sister Jose and I consider it a great privilege to be with you this morning. As I look into the thousands of faces I see from this pulpit, for me, You make up one of the most beautiful gatherings in this Church. I cannot help but smile as I think about what you represent, our bright and magnificent youth. I see in each of you enormous potential to be a light, example, and blessing for your generation and the generations that will follow. This troubled world in which we live is in such great need of you. Thank you for boldly bearing the the banner of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am grateful for the opportunity to be here with Valerie, my eternal companion. I would like to share with you a little bit of our love story. Uh, We met 39 years ago in a young single adult ward in Paris, France. At the time, I was fully immersed in my studies. And I, I, I don't know quite how to best describe myself, Uh, let's just say that I was not the most social person in the world. I was kind of a nerd, (laughs) to say the truth, who spent most of my time in books and studying. I was also serving as the ward clerk, which consumed a large portion of my free time, as I sat in a meeting-house office behind closed doors. I believe our bishop's daughter had a gift. It seemed she could see through the meeting house walls to find me in the clerk's office. Often the door would open and this pretty girl, flashing a big smile, would sneak her head head in the door and to say hello and try to catch my attention, which wasn't hard to do. (laughs) To, To make a long story short, we started dating and were married in the temple two years later. Sometime after our marriage, I asked Valerie how she could have possibly fallen in love with such an unattractive man. (laughs) She did not deny my self-description at all, and simply answered, I saw your potential. As I think about this story, I think of a beautiful painting entitled La clairvoyance. The painter, René Magritte, is represented in the process of painting an egg, which lies to his left on a tablecloth of red velvet. But his paintbrush, animated with a wonderful vision of the future, translates this image into a beautiful blue bird with its wings spread white. In 1984, When Valerie and I met in that young single ward in Paris, despite my inadequacies, she quickly recognized (laughs) what we could become— a successful family in this life and an eternal family in the world to come. She saw into our future and acted in faith. Thank you, mon amour, for believing in us and in our family's eternal potential. My young friends, the world would be different if we could see others, including ourselves, as we can become rather than merely as we are today. Everything would be changed—for the better—if we could look upon ourselves and our fellow men and women with a clear vision of both our earthly and eternal potential. To understand our potential, we need to understand who we truly are. I love the account described in the first chapter of the book of Moses depicting a personal face-to-face conversation that God had with Moses. I believe the words spoken by God on that occasion also apply to each one of us. God addressed Moses with words filled with love—Moses, my son. Thou art in the similitude of mine only begotten. First, God referred to Moses as His Son. This designation ambiguously confirmed Moses' lineage like that of every other living man or woman upon this earth. Each of us is a son or daughter of God, created by Him in His own image and likeness. Each of us has an inherent divine nature. Then God said to Moses that he was in the similitude of his only begotten. The second statement confirms each human being's potential. Because we are God's children, we have the innate capacity to become exalted, just like like our Savior Jesus Christ. These truths are also clearly stated in the family of proclamation to the world. And I quote, Each is a beloved spirit son or daughter of heavenly parents, and as such, each has a divine nature and destiny. As Latter-day Saints, we see this divine lineage in the purest and most complete sense possible. In gospel topics, we read, Just as a child can develop the attributes of his or her parents over time, the divine nature that humans inherit can be developed to become like their Heavenly Fathers. Continuing, it says, the teaching that men and women have the potential to be exalted to a state of godliness clearly expands beyond what is understood by most contemporary Christian churches and expresses for Latter-day Saints a yearning rooted in the Bible to live as God lives, to love as He loves, and to prepare for all that our loving Father in Heaven wishes for His children." The doctrine, which affirms the divine nature and destiny of every human being, lies at the heart of our Heavenly Father's great plan of happiness and of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the reason why the adversary unleashes every possible argument to counter it. In Moses 1, the first chapter of Moses, we read that after God had left His presence, Moses received a visit from Satan. It says, Satan came, tempting him, saying, Moses, son of man, worship me. Fortunately, because he knew his lineage and divine destiny, Moses rejected Satan. The entire work of the Prince of Darkness consists of tempting us to lose sight of our divine nature and eternal potential, thus reducing us to a temporal and carnal existence, void of meaning. His degrading purposes are perfectly illustrated in the words of this old song, which relates the life of a man named Solomon Grundy. I quote, Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, baptized on Tuesday, married on Wednesday, took ill on Thursday, grew worse on Friday, died on Saturday, buried on Sunday. This is the end of Solomon Grundy. We know this life is worth much more than that. In truth, our existence holds an eternal potential that exceeds in glory and splendor anything we could ever imagine with our mortal existence, mortal intelligence. During last general conference, both President Russell M. Nelson and President Dallin H. Oaks invited us to strive to reach the highest destination in the celestial kingdom, which is also expressed as exaltation. In his remarkable talk entitled Think Celestial, our beloved prophet encouraged us to begin with the end in mind. He added, this means making the celestial kingdom your eternal goal. He also taught that we should aim for exaltation because it is the only state that will allow us to live in the presence of God as eternal families with the ones that we love. President Dalin H. Hawkes also reminded us that exaltation can only be obtained on condition of being married in the temple. I quote from him, God's plan founded on eternal truth, requires that exaltation can be attained only through faithfulness to the covenants of an eternal marriage between a man and a woman in the Holy Temple." Close quote. Eternal marriage has always fascinated me. For a man and a woman who may have known each other only for several weeks or months, to commit themselves to each other for all eternity is just amazing. I have from time to time had the privilege of performing ceilings for young couples in the house of the Lord. It is, it is always such a very moving experience. How I love to see these couples kneel at the altar to receive a sealing ordinance. They often seem quite young, maybe a little immature, and at the very least inexperienced. However. As the wonderful words of the sitting ordinance are spoken, I suddenly see them in a different light. A glorious vision unfolds filled with marvelous promises. It says in the Doctrine and Covenants, they shall pass by the angels and the gods to their exaltation and glory in all things. As hath been sealed upon their heads, which glory shall be a fullness, and a continuation of the seeds forever and ever. Then shall they be gods, because they have all power." Close quote. You may be thinking that this radiant future is very difficult to comprehend. We know that this transformation can only take place through ongoing progression and experience, which will continue after this life. However, it starts right there in the temple ceiling room with a couple still imperfect in their accomplishments but pure and firm in their intentions. My brothers and sisters, a successful eternal marriage requires tremendous faith—faith in your own potential, faith in your spouse's potential, faith in the institution of marriage and in the eternal marriage covenant, and most of all, faith in our Heavenly Father and in the atoning power of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This multifaceted faith will change the way you live in your marriage. It will give you the courage to move forward and persevere, the strength to overcome trials and disagreements that will surely come, and the kind, repenting, and forgiving spirit necessary to overcome your respective shortcomings. This space is also needed for those who have not yet had the opportunity to find their eternal companion, because we know that the blessings of eternal marriage will ultimately be offered to all those who persevere in living a righteous life. In addition to receiving sacred ordinances, the key to realizing our eternal potential resides in our capacity to draw and to ourselves the power of Christ's Atonement. If we rely only on our own talents and personal efforts, our capacity to progress will remain limited, and we won't be able to achieve our eternal goals. However, when we rely upon the Lord and His Atonement, our potential for progression knows no limits. I know that the power of the Savior's Atonement is real, its redemptive power, as well as its enabling grace. I have often experienced it in my life. It changes the way you see yourselves. It brings comfort. It increases your self-confidence. It gives you the strength to change your life and progress towards your eternal destiny. Allow me to relate a personal experience. About 20 years ago, I was assigned to be the ministering brother to a man who had just moved into our ward. I I soon learned that he was in a seemingly hopeless situation. He had just been rebaptized after his membership had been removed. Uh, He was going through a painful divorce. He was also facing financial hardship and a challenging work situation. My companion and I decided to help him envision his bright future and see his true potential as a son of God. We encouraged him to begin with the end in mind and picture himself at the altar of the temple surrounded by his beautiful eternal family, all dressed in white. We testified to him that this would happen if he remained faithful. We visited him for seven straight years, at least once every month. We often cried together. We rejoiced in each baby step he was taking. Despite the many ups and downs along the way, we got to love this man as a dear friend. After seven years, he called me one day and told me he had received his first temple recommend in 20 years. I accompanied him to the Frankfurt, Germany temple, where we did work for his deceased family. It was a marvelous day. From that that time on, greater blessings began to flow into his life. A wonderful sister was baptized in her ward. You already know the end of the story. She appeared to be the perfect match. They got married and had two beautiful children, and they were later sealed together in the temple. Some time ago, Valerie and I attended a session in the Paris Friends temple. As we entered the temple, I saw my friend standing at the desk in the lobby. It was He who asked me to show my temple recommend. We looked at each other, and it was such a quiet moment, filled with peaceful joy and infinite gratitude. It was like I heard Him say, Thank you for not giving up on me and believing in my eternal potential. Brothers and sisters, relying on the Savior and His Atonement is only fulfilled through faith and repentance. It requires our best efforts to do our part. Then trust that the Lord will guide us along the path and add whatever is needed after all we can do. This personal experience also shows how, when we envision the divine potential of those we encounter, it transforms the way we see them and minister to them. Imagine what would happen if, every man and woman could see others as God sees them, if we could see others with the same kindness, the same love, the same trust that God has for them? What would happen if everyone was recognized by by their peers for what they truly are as well as what they can become, children of God endowed with divine potential? How many wars? Acts of violence and disputations would be avoided in this world if human beings could perceive in their fellow men and women the light of their divine destiny. The author Antoine de Saint-Exupéry was a French pilot and a news reporter who died in 1944 when his plane crashed in the Mediterranean. He brought a book titled Wind, Sand, and Stars, in which he recorded the impressions drawn from his travels across the world. He told the story of being on a train and finding himself sitting amidst a group of refugees from Poland. He was deeply moved by a young boy looking hopeless and destitute. He suddenly had a vision of this child's bright potential and thought to himself, this is the child Mozart, Here is a life full of sweet promises. Yet in that very moment, realizing that there was very little hope that this little Mozart would ever receive the opportunity to develop his extraordinary talent, he sadly concluded with these words, This Mozart is condemned. This story expresses the disappointment there is in seeing too many people's potential thwarted by a lack of recognition, encouragement, or opportunities. I would like to share a personal experience from my teenage years. I, I began learning the piano when I was seven years old. Having demonstrated some musical talent—let's Well, let's clarify here that I was far from being a little Mozart—my my mother enrolled me at the music conservatory in our hometown in France. The teaching program was very rigorous and required many hours of class and personal work. My piano teacher, whom I will refer to as Madame M., was very strict and demanding and manifested very little empathy for her students. One day she gave me Chopin's fantasy impromptu to work on. I was only 14, and that piece appeared to me to be totally out of my reach. Seeing that I was struggling to play it, Madame M covered my music sheet with rebukes and threats, such as you will see it here on the screen. This is not clean. I'm translating for you. This is not clean. How about working when being asked to do so? Or making noise is not like making music. Listen to yourself. To tell the truth, the method was very effective (laughs) to the extent that I was able to put the piece together. I like to play for you that piece which gave me so much trouble. I see there is a piano here, so if you give me a minute, I will try to do it for you. There's more to it. <laughs> so, to tell you the truth, even though I, I learned this piece and have enjoyed playing it throughout my life, as a teenager I was so discouraged by the process of learning that I wanted to stop my piano studies. And so I went to my mom and Recognizing this, uh, she found me a new teacher. Madame T, I will call her T, was completely different, Uh, the kind of person who loves her students and gives them confidence in their potential. She had high expectations in terms of musical technique, but with her, we played with our hearts. One day, she gave me a new piece to work on and that one seemed just as impossible as the one I had received from Madame M. Seeing my hesitation, Madame T confided in me that uh, it was the very piece that had won her husband's heart. She had never given it to any of her students before me because of how precious it was to her. However, she knew that I had the potential to play it beautifully. Her confidence boosted my motivation, and that piece became my reference piece as a young man. And uh, later on, it enabled me to win Barry's heart. <laughs> I'm going to play maybe an excerpt of his second piece here, very romantic. It's the Warsaw Concerto from Richard Evanson. Just a little excerpt. My dear brothers and sisters, I invite you to seek inspiration to find the Mozart's among us. In a way, each of us is a Mozart in the making. We all have talents, gifts, and abilities that ask for nothing more than the opportunity to blossom and thrive. Believing in others, helping them discover their potential, and loving them wholeheartedly This is what should inspire us in our interactions with our fellow sojourners on this earth. I am grateful for institutions like BYU-Idaho that help individuals discover and reach their true potential, both earthly and eternal. The school changes lives. It is looking for the Mozarts sleeping within each of us, helping us recognize and develop our God-given gifts in this earthly sphere. It also provides great opportunities to learn of the Lord, to seek the blessings of His Atonement in our lives, and to think celestial. If throughout our lives we wholeheartedly apply and build upon the spiritual knowledge we gain here, we will ultimately fulfill our fullest potential, which is to receive exaltation and eternal life. My brothers and sisters, I testify that each one of you is literally a son or daughter of God, endowed with the capacity to become like Him and to live with Him in internal families. I testify that if you choose to achieve this potential with faith and determination and live in accordance with your sacred covenants, you will find the strength and the capacity to move forward step by step towards your eternal destiny. I testify that because of His Atonement, Jesus Christ provides strength that can host us beyond our human abilities and enable us to walk towards perfection. This Church, which is Christ's restored Church upon the earth, possesses the needed knowledge and priestly authority to help us access that power. I pray that you may experience joy and peace as you more fully understand your and others' earthly and heavenly potential. Jesus Christ lives. He is the only way by which we may achieve our highest destiny, which is to return to our Heavenly Father and become as He is. In the name of Jesus Christ,
0: amen.